0: Yeah! Welcome back, everyone. It's the second hour of First Up I'm Matt cause in for AK. That's Carlo Cogliacomo. During the Control Freak segment, I was in control of the Falcons, and my first move is I'm bringing back MC Hammer, and I'm bringing back Too Legit to Quit. You have to be a certain age to get this reference, but the early 90s, it was a glorious time. Jerry Glanville, the head coach, and MC Hammer did a song about the Falcons. Ah, the early 90s. It was a fun time to be a sports fan. That's why
1: Lamar Jackson has to go to Atlanta. Bring back the old old days.
0: Oh, yeah. $57 million in cap space, baby. We'll get back to the NFL. But, Carlo, I got a couple questions for you. The Leafs beat the Devils last night 4-3 because, of course, they did. It was actually one of the few times you saw in FanDuel where they were the underdog. Yeah. And New Jersey's the super hot team. And Meyer is in the lineup. And he scored the last game. And there's no Ryan O'Reilly. There's no Tavares. Morgan Riley's struggling. Bunting's on the fourth line. Uh, Matthews hasn't scored in ages. So, of course, they win 4-3. But my, my first question for you, how much better is it, like, as a player, just how much better is it when you get that win when you're not playing for four days. When you have yeah. all this extra time to marinate in the positive vibes.
1: Oh, it's night and day better, Matthew. I mean, because, you know, the off day today, it's easier to go to sleep at night because you're not up thinking, oh, what did I do wrong this game? How am I? How is the coach going to react to the lineup next game? How is the mood going to be for practice the next day? Like, now it's all positive, right? You can go and enjoy your day today. You can sleep in go for a nice walk, catch up with the family, the loved ones and you know, maybe do some some dinner with friends and family that you've missed and didn't get a chance to see over the last 10 days cuz that's how long this team's been on the road. And then you you go to the rink on on Thursday and it's like you're happy to see everybody. Everybody's in a good mood, the food tastes better, the practice is going to have You know, a better feel to it. The music's going to be a lot more positive because that's what they love to play at the rink. So the best feeling in the world is, you know, getting a big win knowing that you have an extended day off and getting a big win knowing when you have a chance to celebrate something as a team, like they did in the Bruce Springsteen concert where, you know, they had the big win in Seattle. Everything is just better when you win. And clearly the way the Maple Leafs won yesterday is just a cherry on top of how much better things are going to be for this group today, tomorrow, and the following day before they play Saturday.
0: Especially someone like Michael Bunting goes on the fourth line and then scores the game-tying goal at uh, 3-3. All right, next question for you, and this is all related to last night's win, but it's really more just, Carlo, your own experiences playing in, in the NHL. What goes on in a locker room between periods? between like where one is really bad and one is really good. That first period, and I get it, it's their last game of a road swing, but they were outshot like 15-2, 15-3 early on. I think it ended up being 15-5 at the end of the period. And then the the first 15 minutes of the second, Toronto was dominating the Devils. They get the first goal of the game, the Cali Yarncroft goal. And, And by the way, good job on Sam Lafferty to start that. But what is it like in a locker room when you've just laid an absolute stink bomb?
1: Well, it depends on what the score of the game is, right? If the score of the game is not in your favor and you've given up two or three goals, it's pretty quiet in that locker room. But in the, in the Maple Leafs case yesterday where they played a really slow first period, it was almost it was like a feeling out process to see how the game was going to go and it was more of a of a survival period for them. You're coming in and you're 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 trying to find new ways to energize yourself. You know, guys are probably, you know, eating protein bars and um, getting some energy drinks into them, and maybe one or two guys will step up and say, hey, guys, okay, we know that wasn't our best period, but there's 40 minutes left to play, and we're in a hockey game. You know, it's a 0-0 game. Thank God our goalie showed up tonight. He's given us a chance to win. Let's go out and do this for ourselves and do this for him and come out with a better effort. Let's regroup. Let's understand the things that we need to do and let's go out and execute it. And whether that comes from the leaders or that comes from the coach, it's all positive reinforcement that you're trying to preach during those times, especially when you know you're 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 at an even playing field, which the Maple Leafs found themselves in because it was still 0-0 and you know, maybe guys, there's other maybe there's some of the other guys that maybe didn't play much that period that are actually going to get Samson off some power drinks and basically catering them say hey what do you need you know you, you, you thank God for you our coach isn't in here reaming reaming us away so um it's uh, I love that
0: idea hold on I love that idea of hey Elia you look have you lost weight get over here buddy let me give you a little deep tissue yeah. massage. thank you for making all 15 of those saves and keeping yeah. the game at nil nil for us hey yeah. hey I'm Marner this man needs a foot rub. Give this man one of your uh, legendary foot rubs. Yeah. The the other sort of quite like, and we can get into the specifics of last night and just, you know, what we what we saw from X's and O's on the ice because it, it was a hell of a win by the Maple Leafs. But the other thing I wanted to bring up is Andre Palat's face got all messed up by a bad sticking penalty uh, by uh, by Holmberg uh, near the end. Uh, I think it was like near the end of the second period or it was near, near the end of the first. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Palat's face was all messed up, and then he went out and scored. And I'm wondering, what is – and then his teammates were like, oh, no, we can't celebrate with you too much. Like, they gingerly, the other devils gingerly celebrated with Andre Palat because his face, like, just all the all the gook in his mouth and his lips and the stitches yeah. and everything. He looked like a disaster. I'm curious if that's ever happened, either you or what's the worst thing you've ever seen one of your teammates look like after taking a puck or a stick to the face? Well, one of the
1: worst scenes that I've ever seen is Keith Kachuk's last. Last game of the season, I believe... Last home game of the season, before he was about to announce his retirement, he was standing in front of the net and took a TJ Oshie slap shot from the point oh! right in the face. And literally knocked out seven or eight teeth. And you really felt for the guy. Like, this guy played his whole career playing in front of the hardest spot on the ice in front of the net and never... Nothing ever happened to him. And to see him... To hear him in the dentist office just curse nonstop while he was getting repairs, and then leave it—it it was a crime scene, basically what you saw yes. in his face. <laughs> but uh, personally, it, it's actually you know very telling. If you go to my Twitter profile, there's a picture of me and Matt Sundin that I that I post on there as sort of a proud moment for me in my Maple Leafs career. And if you notice on my lip, there's a really big scab on my lip. So a couple of games prior, I ended up getting uh, a stick I- in the face, oh. and it cut, and it cut my lip. So you know, you're 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 medicating it so that it scabs over, and ultimately it can find a way to go away. The difficulty that I faced was that the next two games. I found myself in battles in front of the net or in the corner, and I was getting face-washed nonstop. And because of those face-washes, the scab actually ended up healing even more after all those altercations. So what turned out to be just, you know, stick in the face, got some blood, scabbed over. Now, every two or three days, this thing is getting, uh, this scab is getting, um, you know, sort of washed over and the cut is reopening to the point where like I've got this big scar on my lip which looks really disgusting if you really wanted to picture what you know would normally it would look like and I'm just you know cruising around and it was just one of those things where I'm like okay just today can I just not get hit in the face I want this scab on my lip to go away <laughs> and it just kept reopening and reopening and reopening and but look in the middle of a season you deal with those things, man. There's not much yeah. you can oh, yeah. really do.
0: And by the way, that was the the Holmberg high stick. It was late in the second period, just made it even that much dumber. That like, come on, guys, we're up, the, or the game was tied, and then uh, Palat scored. You know uh, to tie that too. You know third. what's really
1: funny, and you know you never yeah. want to poke guys at 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 you know at injuries and stuff like that. But when a guy gets hit in the nose with a stick or with a puck, and whether it's broken or they just can't stop the bleeding, but they got those two nose plugs in each nostril. That yeah, they try to that yes. they try to play through. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's lining up with the face off beside me. He's like, "Yo, man, you all right? Like, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> and he can barely talk because his nose is plugged with those uh, nose. Shut pullers. up, Carlo! I'm trying <laughs> to take the fence off air. <laughs> it's so true, so true. But look, uh, what, one of one of the yeah. worst incidents of my career of getting hit in the face was a very scary one. So three consecutive games I got hit in the face. Uh, One underneath the chin with a high stick that I got zippers on. The next game, I took a puck right underneath my nose. I don't know how I didn't lose any teeth, like where, where the puck hit me, but it hit me right underneath the nose, and I got stitches right underneath there. So I'm playing with stitches Underneath my chin. Stitches underneath my nose. The next game, we're playing, I'm playing in St. Louis at home. And we're playing the LA Kings. And I'm defending a two-on-one versus Kopitar and Doughty. And they're both on their off wings. So Kopitar is coming down on his off wing. He does a fake shot and then sauces it over. And because he sauced it over, it gave me time to sort of turn and get in the lane to yeah. try to get a stick on Doughty shot. So what I did was I turned, I got a stick on it, and because he shot it so quick, it kicked off of my stick up into my eye. Oh. Up into my eye, Matthew. One of the scariest in- injuries, incidents of my whole career. Puck hit me directly in the eye. I literally thought I lost my eye because that's how much pain, and like you look down and all you see is blood in your hand. I couldn't see out of my eye for like, a good two weeks before the blood drained out, and thankfully, Jesus. I recovered from it. But three consecutive games, underneath the chin, underneath the nose, into the eye.
0: Oh like my I God! Had... You guys and, are under... and I
1: and I I, I I never used to wear uh, a visor.
0: Yeah. But
1: after that incident, yeah, I had to. I was the I was the doctor said I had to wear a, a full cage the rest of the year because I couldn't. My my face couldn't take getting hit again, and for the rest of my career, I wore a visor. After that, took a scary incident like that for me to finally uh, wear a visor.
0: You guys are underpaid. Um, Let me just, because we got banger What coming up next, but I want to give a shout-out to a specific moment in the game. You wouldn't have seen it live, Carlo, because you were uh, covering the Canadians columbus Blue Jackets game. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, Hurricanes, excuse me, excuse me. Um, But the Michael Bunting goal to tie it at three. First off, shout-out to our own Mike Johnson. He called it a second before it happened. Um, And the best part of this goal, when the goal was the easy part, You had Justin Hall with this great stretch pass uh, right up the middle to David Kampf. At that Mm -hmm. point, Mike Johnson went, oh, there it is. And then Kampf in close draws in three Devils and then he just, a nice little pass gets through all the sticks, right to Bunting. Bunting is an open net. My favorite passes are the ones where you create open net opportunity. It's like in basketball, there's two types of assists. Ones that uh, lead to a dunk, and one where, oh, a guy just hit a contested shot, but hey, you still get the assist. Mm -hmm. But it was Bunting's 20th goal of the year. When you go back and watch that play, the easiest part was the goal scoring. So I know Hall, it's been up and down a lot more down than up, but that was a great pass by Hall, who wasn't great earlier on in the game. Uh, but him to Camp, Camp to Bunting, the Tide at three, a hell of a moment in last night's Leafs game.
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely was because it was a, a big goal that helped catapult the Leafs' comeback, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you talk about what that third period, um, you know, presented. You know, it was 1-1 going into the third period. Yeah. Marner gets the big shorthanded goal. And you thought after that goal, you know, it was going to be, um, you know, reminiscent of what happened Saturday night um, in Vancouver, but just in their favor where, you know, they give up the two shorthanded goals. and next thing you know, it's it's thank you, see you later for the Toronto Maple Leafs as Vancouver rolls away to the win. Yeah, And that's sort of something that you expected to happen in yesterday's game because the Leafs just killed off a four-minute penalty. And then... As soon as they killed that off, Nylander takes the penalty. It's like they got to go kill another one. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be the deciding factor of the game because New Jersey will find a way to score here, and it'll be the Maple Leafs beating themselves again. Well, great individual play by by Mitch Marner, getting the, the shorthanded goal to make it 2-1, but then it was a quick response. It was oh, less, less, just over a minute later on the same power play, ties that it's a 2-2 game. You're thinking, "Oh man, okay, they couldn't even they couldn't even kill this penalty with with the lead." So now you're in a 2-2 game in the third period, and 3 minutes later it was
2: an Holla. unlucky
1: goal. It was it was a, a tough goal to let in considering the type of game that it was by Hala who just redirected a, a puck that was on net past Samsonov who was having a great game like Samsonov deserved the the result in this game because of how good he played and how much he gave this team a chance to win. And that could have easily been the game. Okay, down 3-2 after the turn of events that just happened. But credit to the Maple Leafs, exactly what you said with Michael Bunting. Credit to Sheldon Key for putting Michael Bunting on the ice after everything that has been a topic of conversation around Bunting being demoted to the fourth line. Gets the big goal, and they could have easily said, okay, let's get the point point, go to OT. Well, they get a power play. And it was their power play with the big boys, Austin Matthews, getting the game winner, which is what sealed the deal for an impressive, really, really impressive Maple Leafs win. It's was it a stat that I read yesterday that Maple Leafs have won 10 of the last 11 games against the New Jersey Devils? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And Matthews has a a crazy uh, scoring record against the Devils as well. On the other side, the segment you know, you demand, you crave, and you're gonna get. It is bang or what? That's Carlo. I'm causing for Aaron Karolnik. You're listening to First Up right here on TSN 1050.
2: Ready, set,
1: react. It's bang. Or what? Will this segment end with a Bang, bang or a What? what?
0: Welcome back, everyone. This is First Up. I'm Matthew Cause In for Aaron Korolnik. That's Carlo Koliakov. Excuse me for laughing. Um, I love, and there's some people, Tyler Natobico, apparently a fan of mine. Thank you. Uh, enjoys my Norm Macdonald impersonation. But someone wrote in, like someone texted in their displeasure with me. Can I read it on air uh, there, Carlo? Can I, can I give a read? Sure. Why is Matt Koz... A mouth-breathing caveman with mental deficiencies allowed on the radio. If he was the last creature on Earth, he still shouldn't speak out of respect for language and ears. Please tell him to limit the sounds he makes at all times. That is all. I'm sorry. I love whoever this is. who texted <laughs> in. Please tell him to limit the sounds he makes. Listen, I'd love to. Then it'd be less work for me, but yeah. I might get fired. Wait a minute. That's what you'd probably want. That is a good sharp. I enjoy
2: that yeah. person. Thank you.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Very <laughs> all
2: nice.
0: right. What do we got from or What There, producer Chris Horvat?
2: <laughs> We're going to start with the the hero of the night last yeah. night, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is still the best goal scorer in the NHL, despite a down season by his standards. What?
0: What?
2: Yes, Yes. we're in agreement,
1: Carlo. Go, go. Look, uh, he's an amazing player who has showed amazing goal scoring prowess, but as long as Alexander Ovechkin is playing the game, he will be the best goal scorer in the NHL because he's about to break the goal-scoring record, the one that nobody ever thought would be broken by Wayne Gretzky, and he has consistently scored. He's had consistent fifty-goal seasons. If Matthews can put together a resume where he's doing that consistently, yes, one hundred percent, I will put him in that conversation.
0: But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat this Carlo like w, uh, WWE. You know, last year um, uh, Matthews had the belt. He had right. the belt. He was the best goal he scorer in strength. This year, he's not. This year, um, Connor McDavid came off the top turnbuckle and and went and and just tuned up Austin Matthews. And even Matthews, hey, he scored the game winner last night, but it was a power play. And to me, uh, that goal was more about what Nylander did. Matthews can get the belt again, but right now, he does not have the goal-scoring
1: belt. No. And and, Connor McDavid's going to win the the, the Rocker Richard running away with it, but... Like I don't I can't even say that Connor McDavid is the best goal scorer in the game because yeah, he's the best player in the game, but this is the first time he's he's eclipsed 50 50 goals. Can he do it next year and consistently? As long as Alexander Ovechkin's playing hockey, to me he's the best goal scorer in the game.
2: Let's stay with the Leafs. Jake McCabe at 2 million per season for the next two seasons is one of the best value contracts in the NHL. I saw Kevin Papetti of The Athletic, he pointed out that McCabe has not been on the ice for a goal against yet in any of his four games with the Leafs and they've all been on the road so a, uh, a great start for McCabe no doubt. Oh, absolutely! It it is a massive
0: value because it's not just what McCabe does. And you're right, two million this way or two million. Like they've have him under contract till the end of the 2025 season. So what it first does is it gives you stability, and he's under 30 years old. But it's what he does in terms of helping whoever he's playing with, and he also pushes down a little bit some of the other defensemen, so they have lesser responsibility. I love Mark Giordano. I don't want him playing 19 or something minutes a night. Uh, maybe not until maybe the playoffs. If they needed to do it so yes Jake McCabe it is a hell of a deal congratulations Kyle Dubas and I feel sorry if uh, the Leafs lose in six in the first round of the playoffs and I'm yelling that Dubas needs to not be re- uh, re- uh, brought back to the team because that was a great deal by the Leafs general manager.
2: yeah
1: it sure was and they were had a lot of people in the NHL scratching their head as to as to why Kyle Davidson did what he did and not getting back more when it came to assets um, you know to allow a guy like Jake McCabe who many people view as a top four defenseman and maybe a guy that can be a top pairing shutdown defenseman which he is has been for the Maple Leafs since he's come over and it's incredible value i mean he that's what he's going to be for this Maple Leafs team for the next 2 years he's going to be a top pairing shutdown guy that you know brings you quality minutes plays a ton can be an all-situation type of guy and look, i play with Jake McCabe in his rookie year and i th- these are some of the the, the positive characteristics I saw in his game of what he could potentially develop into, and he's done it nicely, and he's done it nicely on bad teams, and it just this this has to be so refreshing for a guy like Jake McCabe to be able to play this style on a really good team. And look, I really liked the move when it was made. The only thing I questioned about it was it w- is, is, was that it went against everything that Kyle Dubis was trying to uh, check the box on when it came when it and uh, it came to you know getting a different result in the playoffs the only thing that, that concerns me about Jake McCabe is the fact that he's played zero playoff games in his career and the pressure that this he's going to face with this Maple Leafs team come playoff time I hope that doesn't become a factor but that was the we'll one see. thing I questioned would be a factor yeah. let's hope it doesn't but all in all great value contract the Maple Leafs have two great value contracts Michael Bunting's another great value contract the guy signed for nine hundred grand and has been a consistent twenty goal scorer. Where else are you going to find value like that?
2: He twenty it got goal number twenty last night. Right. What do you got? You were talking cheese? about the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's go there for the next question. At least one of the Colorado Avalanche or Tampa Bay Lightning will make it back to the Stanley Cup final.
1: So you're basically saying Colorado or Tampa, Colorado, Tampa, or the field. I would 100% take the field in this in this uh, question because there's like there's so many good teams this year, and as great as Tampa is with their you know with their profile and their playoff pedigree, I mean, could They're they? Can I see. They're can I? Can, right I can I easily see them do it again? Yes, they have all the pieces you need at all the important positions to get back there. But when you got teams like Boston, Toronto, New Jersey, the Rangers, Carolina, like to do it four years in a row, that's a tall task to ask for Tampa. And now no, Colorado, it's Colorado. This is this is this is cheese sneakily just asking
0: a. Do you think Colorado is going to get back to the finals? And then I'm giving a big old bang. I think Colorado is clearly the best team. I think they're sort of coasting around this regular season. They've dealt with a lot of uh, of injuries, injuries this year. University. But you get them fully healthy. Uh, at, you know, by the time the playoffs start, there's no team in the West as good as Colorado. I'm giving a big bang. I think we see Colorado back in the
1: finals. See, I, I want to agree with you there, Matthew. But Then agree I, with me. Jump in the no, pool. No. The water's warm. But I don't like the moves <laughs> that they made. Like they lost Nazem Kadri, which is a massive hole to fill, considering yep. everything he brought to this team's playoff success last year, and they replaced him with Lars Eller. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 like I don't that, know. I just, I just, mean, you know, I, I, just <laughs> I know they're probably they're hopeful to get Gog back. Is Georgiev a guy that's an upgrade over what K- Kemper provided for them? I don't know. I just look at a team like Dallas, and they're very well coached. They've got a goaltender that can steal games. They've got a horse on the back end in Heiskanen. Their top players have had a really good year producing. They're going to be a tough out. Um, look, Minnesota's going to be a sneaky team, man. Have you seen Minnesota's record No, over their I, last I, stretch?
0: If I, I'm not going to lie to you. If I look at, like, who are the – we could do a list of who are the good teams in sports that I know nothing about – you know, I mean, like the Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Wild would be there. Maybe it's because I have such i I am so nervous trying to pronounce the name of their leading goal scorer. I, I want nothing to do with them. Kapazoff?
1: KK. K. Like real crap off Yeah, and, and, and look, I mean, Kapazoff. there's other other teams in the West we didn't even mention yet. Yeah, the L.A. Kings, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. I. I think either one any one of those. I'll take the field. Look, Colorado can easily get there, but I'm taking the field on this one. All right. What do you got, Cheese, We got time for one?
0: Oh,
2: wait. Oh, God. We got to go. Yeah. All all right, we got right. time for one more. All right. All right. The Toronto Blue Jays will be among the league leaders in stolen bases this season after changing the look of their team. I'm going to give that a bang, but it's
0: uh, just because it's Major League Baseball, so they'll lead the league in stolen bases with 18. No, no. I mean... It, I, I can't wait to see what this looks like with the bases being a little bit bigger and the new rules in terms of pickoffs and things like that. But yeah, yeah I mean Kiermaier, Merrifield, like there is a lot of speed on the Blue Jays. I'm going to give it a tentative bang. You know, I'm hoping they do because I want to see 90s baseball again. I want to yeah. see athleticism and speed. And and, and I want to see the game looking more, you know, uh, like, like Tony Gwynn and Greg Maddox. than what we've had with everything being a strikeout, a walk um, or a home run.
1: Geez, I'm only going to say what to this because I don't know how good the rest of the other the rest of the league is. Um, and I would imagine that. Because we're so Toronto-focused, we become obsessed with the the changes that the the Blue Jays made to, the, that make themselves look a lot better. But you would have to imagine that the rest of the league is probably looking at these rule changes and probably building a lineup that could accomplish the same things. So that's only the reason why I'm saying... Well, I'm not saying the Blue Jays can't do it because I do like... You know, the players that represent them, putting them in that conversation of leading the league in, in stolen bases, but I just don't know how good the rest of the league is right no, now.
0: That's fair. That's fair. It's hard. It's hard to keep My God, baseball is the hardest to keep up. I always say this. Mm-hmm. If you are in multiple baseball fantasy leagues and you are a, a father <laughs> or a mother, then you should have your children taken away from you. If you are a parent and you're in multiple fantasy baseball leagues and you're winning, you are a bad parent because. Running a, ba- a baseball league is uh, a fantasy league. Takes all your time.
1: Yeah, and uh, twenty fingers just mentioning on our group chat that the Jays were twenty-first in the yeah. league in stolen bases last season. Yeah.
0: Well, so. my prediction: they'll do. They'll score. They'll steal more than the Yankees with uh, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. So that's my wild. That's uh, fair. That's, that's my fair. wild prediction all right that'll do it for bang or what coming up on the side we should probably spin the wheel of sound there's plenty out there and we'll do a little bit of uh, of uh, bet and breakfast a couple a couple thoughts out there including why is everyone suddenly jumping on the jets and their super bowl odds we will discuss that next that's carlo i'm cause this is first up right here on tsn 1050 we are Giving away Raptors tickets here on First Up every week, all season long. Listen to the First Up podcast tomorrow for an hourly clue to the identity of a current or ex-Toronto Raptor. Once you know the player, you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors versus Lou Dort. And the Oklahoma City Thunder. Do I like to just say Lou Dort like that? Yeah, I do. And that game is on March 16th. We'll announce the winner on Friday. And, yes, of course, also Shea Gilgis Alexander um, will be a part of that game. This is first up. And that goes in for Aaron Karolnick. That is Carlo Koliakovo. So, Carlo, usually around uh, this time of day, we do a little uh, bet and breakfast. And – my advice to everyone, the Raptors are taking on the Clippers. And let's be honest, we are not going to watch that game until the fourth quarter. I think that's like a ten thirty start. I'm a little nervous. I know we, everyone would want to take like Kawhi Leonard and maybe hit the over for him. But Kawhi Leonard has no emotion. He doesn't view this game any different than he does any other contest. I do like, here's my favorite bet in that game, Fred Van Vliet points, rebounds, and assists. That number on FanDuel is at thirty two and a half. I like the over. He Van Vliet looked great against Denver. Just the pick and roll with him and Jakob Pertle was working. His shot was going down. He's been scoring a lot recently. So I like the over for points, rebounds, and assists. Thirty two and a half. Uh, on FanDuel minus 113, which means for anyone who's new to betting, and that's fine, come on in, Uh, put down five bucks, you got to bet 113 to win 100. But I'm not telling you to bet 113. So I think that's one of my favorite I hear you, buddy.
1: I hear you. You can't be any worse than AK, who's been on an absolute cold streak right now with his Ah. picks, especially his hockey picks. He said that the Devils were an absolute lock last night. I was like, mm, I wouldn't be so confident saying that.
2: <laughs> Guess who is the
0: opposite? And I'm so, I'm so upset I'm not on gameplay today. It's Jim Taddy. Because I would be playing that clip over and over on my show. I'd be mm-hmm. insufferable. Because I said, take the Leafs. This is what they do. They confuse yeah, us emotionally. Uh, we were talking before, or at least mention it, uh, the New York Jets. The Jets' odds to win the Super Bowl. Now, let me ask you, Carla, real quick. Did Aaron Rodgers sign with the New York Jets? Did I miss something? No. Okay. So the Jets have lower odds to win the Super Bowl than the Ravens, the Chargers, the Jaguars, the Dolphins. There is a lot of teams that made the playoffs last year. That have shorter, that have longer odds than the Jets. Jets are 16 to 1. Justin Herbert and the Chargers are 20 to 1. This is all people just speculating, thinking, okay, a deal is going to get done.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't understand it, Matthew. I talked about this yesterday. Does Aaron Rodgers move the needle that much? This guy played on a team last year in Green Bay that had a better roster than the New York Jets, and they didn't even make the playoffs in a weak NFC. So why all of a sudden are people jumping on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon thinking that he's the missing piece for the New York Jets? He sucked last year. and it, he it, sucked, it's,
0: but Zach Wilson sucked more. I think that's what they're saying.
1: Fair. That's fair. But to me... If you're talking about Aaron Rodgers putting himself in the best position to win, I still think it's back in Green Bay. They have a really great defense. They have a mm-hmm. like, one of the league's best running game. They have a, a stud-wide receiver in Lazard. Like, Oh, well, a good
0: receiver in Lazard. I'm not going to go stud. But I think the main reason, Carlo, that I'm sure you're about to get to, sorry to interrupt, is the quarterbacks are garbage in the NFC. No offense. Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in that division. So, If you want a chance to get back to the Super Bowl, the path it's like being in the Pacific Division is the NFC and the AFC is the Atlantic Division in hockey. It's a lot easier path.
1: So I I don't understand like why the and this is why maybe Vegas was built is because they sucker people to making in to falling in love with like the, the 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 news at the time because. Yeah. People believe that the Jets flew their private jet to go see and meet with Aaron Rodgers. That's automatically going to seal the deal, and it might. It might seal the deal it for might. him being a New York Jet. But just because Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for the New York Jets, does not. I I still don't think it puts them ahead of the Bills. Doesn't put them ahead of the Dolphins. Doesn't make them better than the Chiefs. Doesn't make them better than Cincinnati. Doesn't make them better than I. I would put. Um, the Cleveland Browns is a better team than them. Next oh, year. get out of here on the Browns! Get out, get out of the Browns! I, like, there's, there's they're so they're many, not better. The than Jacksonville Buffalo Jaguars. Tuesday. You put them ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars?
0: Okay, probably not because Calvin Ridley's now. Uh, it's it's just been reinstated. He'll be the Jags. The Jets are betting that they had the fourth best defense in the NFL last year. Horrible offense, but a lot of that was a quarterback play. If Brees Hall comes back, if Becton comes back, and if you get like. Close to Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP two years ago. Now at least you can compete. I still have Casey Buffalo. Okay, but again, Matthew,
1: my question is: Why are you banking on getting Aaron Rodgers from two years ago when you watched him play a full season last year on a really good team? He needed to win one game at the end of the season at home against their division rival and was completely horrible in that game. Carlo, we gotta
0: go because we got Dave Poulin. But I will, I will just give one word for the Jets. This is not being logical. This is desperation. This is a yeah. team whose best quarterback they've had in two decades is Chad Pennington. They want to be desperate. Desperate. You want to hit the yeah.
1: desperation button and go all in? Go out and acquire Lamar Jackson because that'll be the difference maker move at quarterback for yeah. you over Aaron Rodgers.
0: On the other side, Dave Poulin is going to join the show, and we will talk about a wild win by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'll throw it out to him. I think that was the most predictable win of the year because the one thing the Leafs always do, they keep us guessing. We will get into that next right here on First Up.
1: This is Leafs Breakfast. Riley
3: circles to the center ice area, pass up on the wing, finds Nylander, Nylander into the far corner, center in front, Matthews scores! 34, snaps it home, and the Leafs power play goal
0: has them out in front, 4-3! to Welcome back everyone, this is First Up on Matthew Cause, in for Aaron Karolnik. that is Carlo Koliakovo, the Leafs. Bounce back after a tough Saturday loss to the Canucks with a four-three win over the New Jersey Devils. Joining us now, TSN hockey analyst, columnist with the Toronto Star, all-around good guy. It is Dave Pool, and good morning, Dave. Thanks for joining the show today.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. You can include coffee drinker and enjoyer of the sunshine this morning because those are two more qualifications on my resume today. It's a beautiful sunny morning out there. Absolutely gorgeous. Ab- might- absolutely. Might be a little crisp, Maddie, but it's beautiful.
0: Yep. no, you're right. Sorry to interrupt. I'm because st- Carlos is down in the basement. I don't know if he has a window. He looks like he's in a he hostage video. No, yet. <laughs> it is a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous <laughs> sunny day. I can confirm that. Um, Dave, I want to throw a weird analogy at you, and you can agree or you can call me a fool. Are you ready?
3: Weird has never been associated with the word Matt Cause or with the never. name Matt Cause. So, never. okay, or we fool. can go ahead
1: or fool.
0: Being a Leafs fan is like when you're in your early 20s and you're dating that one kind of crazy partner. You don't know what you're going to get emotionally, but they're really attractive – Physically everything is gangbusters, but you wake up every morning and you're not sure what kind of mood they're gonna be in and you're often walking on eggshells. And that's the Maple Leafs where I predicted they would win, even though they were down a couple players and you know, Morgan Riley and Bunting and Matthews have been struggling a little bit, so of course they beat a red hot devils team. So rooting for the Maple Leafs, you're and you're always gonna be it's like dating in a very emotional roller coaster relationship.
3: Well, I think that fits most teams in the National Hockey League right now, man. I really do. You know, I'm out and about and have been in a number of buildings in the last couple of weeks. And if you talk to various fan bases around, um, talk to the Ottawa Senators fan base this morning and you'll get the same answer for a much younger team. But it, it is emotional. And I think as the year builds up, it gets that way because you want you want to Predict what's going to happen in the future in sport, and you simply can't. And you know, so the way we set up our panel hits Matt through you know through the the period as it goes. You start ideas right at the start of the period, and so to, you know, let's break down last night's game. You take the first period, you're, you're start up, and about the ten minute mark, it, literally the question is, anybody got anything here? <laughs> and Carlo, <laughs> you've had this conversation many oh, times, yeah. right? <laughs> Okay. And so, you know, the legendary Puffy, our, our AP, is like, oh, well, well, we got this, 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 and this. We're like, oh, okay, we got more than we thought. And you build it up. But last night, through the second period, we had a hit going into the second intermission. And with three minutes to go, jersey scores. <laughs> so now your whole hit changes. And, and But the real change was at the end of the game because you're building up. And the first end-of-game story was, wow, brilliant, shorthanded goal by Marner changes the narrative of giving up two shorthanded goals against Vancouver, you know, the star coming to the forefront and Marner changing the whole narrative. But wait a second. Jersey scores a couple goals. Okay. Another new narrative. And then of course, Michael Bunting, who had been a story the entire night and has been for the last little while, he enters the picture and then the power play to end the game. So I think the emotional swings you're talking about are part of the preparation not only of the team, but of the fan base for what's ahead and not only in the last five weeks of the season, but this is what happens in the playoffs. These are when teams talk about playing meaningful games, the reason they're meaningful is because you learn how to handle the emotional swings involved. And last night was a capsule of what we're going to experience down the stretch. Who's hurt, who's not here. So coming out of the trade deadline, it's like, okay, everybody relaxes. Come out of the trade deadline. It's like, Wait a second, we got 20 games to play here. Yeah. Season's not over. Like, you know, everybody concedes, okay, who had a great trade deadline? Well, Boston did. Well, just give them the Stanley Cup. No, no, no. We got a whole bunch of hockey to play. And not only are the teams that made significant moves at the trade deadline going to be factors here, but every other team is going to be. And the other night, I was in Chicago on Monday night. i lose track of my days here. Monday night, it was in Chicago. In Chicago, a young team, and you, you know, I'm looking at, okay, where did he come from? When did he get here? Who is that wearing that number? Yeah. And, and they said, no, wait a second. We're going to have something to say. And that same night, San Jose wins and, and the Canucks win. And so <laughs> there's a lot of hockey left to play. And the emotional swings you're talking about, Matt, are exactly what you, you try and prepare a team for to know what's going to happen in the playoffs. The fan bases will never figure it out, trust me. But the players are supposed to at a certain time.
1: Pulley, were you impressed to see that game by Matthews yesterday, knowing that it was a game without two of the other top center icemen, and O'Reilly and Tavares, and it was that It was him that ended up being the, scoring the game deciding goal.
3: It's actually what I expect. I expect that from that player. I mean, he's such a special talent, and and just such a terrific player that that's what we fully expect. And and I think actually Jeff called it before the game started. He looked. He looked for, you know, internally in our conversations, he said, look, Matthews has got to be great tonight. I mean, flat out, he's got to be great. And you know, you're missing two other, not only two other significant players, but two other players who play his position in John Tavares and, and Ryan O'Reilly. And so elevate. And even through the first, the first period, at one point, the shots were, well, the shots were 16 to two at one point. I think they ended up 15 to four at the end of the first period. So I don't know where the other shot went for Jersey, but. Um, Matthews had the chances early. He had a really good pass to Kerfoot early, and then he had two of the chances. I think one was credited with a shot in that. But he was on his game early, and it doesn't show in terms of offense early for the least. but it looked like he was on it and together. You know, it's, as much as his numbers aren't what they were last year in terms of goal scoring, I don't worry about Austin Matthews being there at a critical moment and the fact that he elevates when two key line mates or teammates are out doesn't surprise me at all.
1: Can you help me understand the treatment that Michael Bunting has been getting lately? Um, We've we've seen him be demoted to the fourth line and Kerfoot get the elevated minutes on the top line. Is this more of Sheldon Keefe trying to get Kerfoot's confidence back up so that he can feel better about himself playing in a bottom six role when push comes to shove playoff time? Or is this him actually trying to send a message to Michael Bunting saying, hey, you've had a great year, but you're getting too comfortable. We need more from you, and this is how you got to show me you can get it back?
3: I think it's the latter. I I think this is more about Bunting. And the curse that Alex Kerfoot has is that he's versatile and can backfill on what you want to do. And so if you want to say, okay, I want to move – player A and player B, Well, player C is Kerfoot? Well, we can put Kerfoot in there (laughs) because I I want to get A and B going or I want to change the role of A and B. It almost
1: seems like, though, that Alex Kerfoot has the Ilya Mikheyev touch where he gets so many chances but he just can't score.
3: (laughs) Well, he's not a top (laughs) two-line player from offensive finish. He's simply not. Um, But because he skates well and can play up there, you cast him in that role. But realistically, you know, I think his best role is in the lower six of the lineup. I just do. I mean, I think he's most effective there, you know, on the defensive side of things, not expecting offense from him. Michael Bunting is the interesting one for me because he has to be effective in the role that he plays to be Michael Bunting. And there's a reason he didn't play in the National Hockey League till he was 26 years old, and that's because consistently he couldn't drive up the fire and the emotion that's necessary for him to be effective. Now, maybe it was coming to Toronto. Maybe it's hard to do in Arizona. And think about it. He comes home to his hometown, and in order to get an opportunity, he had to do that. Nobody knew him here other than Kyle Dubas from his junior days. And Kyle Dubas had obviously seen him do that and be effective. So he starts off, and then he gets golden role. I mean, think about the the role he's cast into from a guy who's, I believe he had played 26 NHL games when he arrived here. And all of a sudden he's skating alongside Matthews and Marner and takes full advantage of it. Absolutely full advantage, but he takes advantage of it in a manner that's really hard to do because to be that guy every night where you're the antagonist, that's a hard role to play guys. That is hard when you step on the ice and you are the antagonist and the complimentary player. And everybody says, well, Oh, anyone could play that role. Anyone can't play that role beside Matthews and Marner. You've got to know where to do, to go. You've got to know as much how to stay out of the way as be there in the way. Um, you are literally a complementary player to two superstars. But your agitating and your abrasive side has to be there for you to be effective, to go to the front of the net, to take cross-checks, to go and do the dirty work in the corner, to do all those things, and quite frankly, to do the chirping and to get under other people's skin and to be... and that, Detracts attention from the two stars. It pulls it away from them. Now, sometimes to their detriment, they have to get involved because he's involved. But I think he got away a little bit from doing that. And they know in order to be an effective playoff team, he's going to have to play in that top six with those two guys. And they're trying to get him back to that right now, Carlo. I think that's what it is. I don't think this has anything to do with Alex Kerfoot. I just don't because Kerfoot, unfortunately for him is just a guy that once you make your decision, but what's going to happen? You say, your your last line is okay. Well, we can put Kerfoot in there. Well, we can put him at third line center. Or we can put him at fourth line left wing. Or we can put him at second line right wing, because he can skate and he can do those things. But I don't think if you're going into it and you're laying out this roster when everyone is healthy, I don't think Alex Kerfoot's a top six guy. I think oh. Michael Bunting
1: has to be. And, and I'm not saying he's a top six guy. I just we've seen so much emphasis on the moves the Maple Leafs have made around their bottom six, right? And clearly Kerfoot's going to be a bottom six guy. I just wonder that, you know, you hear Sheldon Keefe's comments saying Kerfoot's playing better than Bunting right now. I wonder if Sheldon Keefe's saying, okay, I have 20 games left here to get Kerfoot feeling better about himself so that when he is playing in the bottom six, maybe he can find a way to score a big goal for us because I've given him the confidence to play a good players, get a scoring touchback, so on and so forth. That's why I, I suggested that because other than that, it doesn't make any sense to me why he's playing on the top line.
3: Yeah, no, he's playing on the top line because that role has to be filled right now, and he's capable of filling it for a short period of time. I don't think that's—I don't think it's about his confidence. I really don't, because I don't think you're going to change that about Alex Kerfoot. I think Alex Kerfoot, we know what he is as a player, and he'll go in and out of that himself. And I do believe he'll be a bottom six guy and an effective one in a playoff role. But he fills the bill right now. They've got a couple of key injuries, and you can put him there, and he can skate. And even the opportunities he had last night. His opportunities, his effectiveness is going to be more first man on the forecheck, creating a turnover, not the guy that's making the play or finishing the play. It's just not. Mm.
0: Dave, always appreciate. Enjoy your coffee. Enjoy the blue skies. We will chat with you soon. All the best, my friend.
3: Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too, pal. Take
0: care. That is NHL analyst on TSN, Dave and This has been Leafs. Breakfast. Uh, Carlo, on the other side. What do the Ravens know that we don't? And I'll tell you why one hundred percent certainty. The one place Aaron Rodgers is not going is the Green Bay Packers. That's Carlo. Interesting. I'm pausing. Yes. It's a little tease. This is first up right here on T S N ten fifty.